Welcome to Awake Aware. What the fuck is consciousness in there? You know, how how does consciousness emerge from or give birth to that? You know, the, this mystery of the... A genie is coming out of a bottle, regardless. It's either consciousness is coming out of the material or material is coming out of consciousness. And neither one of them makes sense. So again, I return to the dialectic, to the synthesis of maybe they're just coexisting and there's no untethering them from one another. Welcome to Awake Aware Alive. I'm your host, Jacob Gossel. I uh, got another uh, tasty episode for you today. Um, this one is with Michael Phillip. If you haven't heard of Michael Phillip, then you probably haven't heard of third eye drops. So what you're going to want to do is take out your cellular device, go to whatever place where you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, App, Stitcher, whatever Android podcasting options you got, and search third eye drops. You'll see a really cool art image with a dude with a beard and it'll say third eye drops hit subscribe on that scroll down give it a five star rating well actually you should probably listen to it first just so you know that you like it but you're going to want to give it a five star rating and a nice review you're going to want to binge a bunch of episodes and then come back and listen to this because then you'll have some some context, you'll know Michael a little as a host, and then you get to hear him as a guest. So it makes it that much more fun and enjoyable. Another thing you can do is head over to thirdeyedrops.com. Uh, you can also find the podcast there, and you can find ways to support Michael, like become a, becoming a uh, patron on Patreon etc. So do that because Michael's doing uh Michael's got one of the best podcasts out there, Third Eye Drops is one of my personal favorites and um so he deserves your support and love and attention. And while you're at it, pop over to Instagram, follow him on there, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter, all that jazz. He also has some writings on Medium which are are really uh, really good stuff. So do whatever you can to support Michael. So before we jump into this, I'm going to tell you a couple ways you can support Awake Aware Alive. One of those ways is to head to patreon.com slash Jacob Gossel. There you can become a patron uh, for as little as one buck, which is virtually nothing for you and virtually nothing for me. But if you know, 50 people sign up for a buck, I get 50 bucks. And this uh, podcast I'm currently doing at a pro bono uh, status. That's not entirely true. I have a few patrons, mostly my mom and my uh, friends, a couple of my friends. Wasn't supposed to tell you that. But uh, anyways, you can become a patron on Patreon. You can also head over to my website, jacobgossel.com. G-O-S-S-E-L Scroll down to the bottom 
You'll see a couple links to donate on PayPal or Venmo. Just if you want to throw me a couple bucks, if you like the show, since it's free, you want to support it, that'd be awesome. Um, Another way is just by uh, giving the podcast a rating and a review. So if you use Apple Podcasts, scroll down uh, on my page, uh, hit the five-star rating, leave a review, subscribe if you're not already. That stuff helps a lot. Helps spread the word, helps make, uh, helps let people know what the podcast is all about, helps people know that people uh, like the podcast, etc., etc. Um, let's see, what else? Another thing you can do is just listen. Just the simple act of listening to these episodes is probably the most important thing. And if you really enjoy it, think of somebody else in your life that might enjoy it and share it or screenshot it and put it uh, in your Instagram story and tag me at Jacob Gossel. Stuff like that goes a long way just to help help uh, spread the word. So, yeah, any of those ways would be uh, hugely appreciated. <clears throat> and without any more ramblings or delay... Let's get into this episode with host of Third Eye Drops, English language wizard, Michael Phillip. In, in my old band, actually, we used Ableton for stuff, too, but I was never, like, the Ableton guy. So. Yeah. Yeah, so you're not in that band anymore? No, we stopped doing stuff, like, probably, like, two years ago now. Okay. Like, one of the dudes, the other guitar player moved to L.A., and then um, everybody's having babies and shit. Yeah, so I know the deal. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, yeah. You played guitar in that band, though, right? I played bass and then I oh, played bass. guitar. Oh, yeah. okay. So then I, I nice. like I started out on bass and then switched over to guitar for before the last EP and then then wrote a lot of that shit. Did you have like uh, any formal music upbringing or just? No, no. In high school, I just started. Um, I mean, I always wanted to play music. Like I had toy drum sets and toy guitars and stuff as a kid, and would just like you know rock out to like bon jovi or some shit when i was like two years old and it was pretty clear that i had a pretty strong interest in music and then as i got older i actually i remember i think i think i got a bass when i was like maybe 14 or something mm. and then just started fumbling around on that and being terrible for a long time and eventually getting more fluid and then you know how it goes for sure yeah yeah what kind of band was that i, I haven't listened to it it was like it was like post-hardcore like sort of trying to be a little bit progressive but mm -hmm. um you know like it was like most of the songs were written in like drop c yeah but there was a lot of effects and like delay and mixture of clean singing and a little bit of screamy shit mm. so sounds pretty yeah. sweet yeah check it out was check uh it. the did you guys do the original opening music for midwest real was that you guys that was an old old band. Yeah, oh, that was okay. like that was a band that I was in before um 
the last one. So that was a band that actually never we recorded an EP and never put that mm. put it out. Type, type <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Is this is this episode shit or is this this pre talk? I don't know. It yeah, can be. I, I guess I, I wasn't planning on going there, but it's interesting. Yeah, let's let's have it be let's have it be pre talk because it's like who gives a shit about this? I mean, maybe someone does. <laughs> well, that's part partially what I did want to talk to you about. Those kind of maybe like unexpected in some ways. Mm-hmm. I it's not like. I don't know how many people are just dying to know about your life, but for me personally, like being a third eye drops <laughs> fan, I was just like, I'd like to know more about just like who Michael is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Ask away, man. Yeah. Ask away. So that's cool. Uh, um, so I'm curious kind of just like what your, <laughs> I don't know how much of this you want to get into, but just kind of like what your upbringing was like or your childhood. Like I, feel like a sense of kinship in some ways being like fellow midwesterners i'm from wisconsin a small town called baldwin i don't know if you've ever heard of it no where's that it's uh let's see do you do you know like um hudson or river falls or these Um, are all small towns yeah it sounds familiar it's just like the mid uh, what would that be? Midwestern, right on the sort of on the border, basically. Oh, okay. okay. Not too far from St. Croix Falls or whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I grew up in, um, in Appleton. So mm. Appleton's like, you know, for, for people who don't know their Northeast Wisconsin geography, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like in the Fox Valley area, sort of near, it's like between Green Bay and, Milwaukee, I guess people don't even know where Milwaukee is. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like a seventy thousand person city. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was jumping out of my own skeleton to get out of there like as soon as possible, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, pretty much as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, "All right, I'm ready to move to a bigger city." Um, as we just discussed, I wanted to play in bands, and I knew like, and there's actually a pretty pretty roaring music scene in milwaukee at the time actually there are these bands like since by man and um for ford was another band and i remember just like their music was trickling up to where i was living and i the energy it was you know this kind of post-hardcore heyday in the um mid-2000s and i was just like shit like i need to be by this stuff and the energy was like and it didn't disappoint honestly when i got down there it was like you know, just packed shows and just really, really palpable creative energy in that whole little subculture. Mm-hmm. And then it eventually, I would say, I moved down pretty much right at the peak. And then it kind of like slowly, you know, for a couple of years, it was really, it was really going and then started to slowly kind of fade mm-hmm. as the years, as the years wore on. Yeah. So, so when did you graduate? College or high school? High school. 2002. And then you moved to, did you go to college in Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I went to, uh, there's a, a University of Wisconsin school down here mm-hmm. where, I, where I studied journalism and became journalism. a very, very official journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. So what was it like growing up in, in Appleton? It's not like a super small place, but. No. No, it's like. I mean, boring. I just, I just, I have an overall impression of boredom, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like knowing, knowing that I, 
I wasn't really feeling like, you know, there, and there were obviously really bright spots. I got really into music in high school, started, you know, started a band and became close with those guys. And then, um, I was also very into martial arts when I was like a little bit younger. Mm. So there's kind of like a big, you know, first major step on the individuation path of being anything other than like a sentient meat blob <laughs> that consumes stuff was I, I really like martial arts for whatever reason or really like like Eastern culture for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So that led me to martial arts. And then I started doing that, did that from, you know, elementary school all the way through high school was it thought like I was taekwondo or sort of yeah it was like american karate so it was mm. it's weird it's like a weird bastardization of taekwondo and karate <laughs> because there's like actually korean nomenclature for things but yet it's called karate which is japanese mm. so it's just like this weird you know mishmash that i think sort of happened once all of that stuff started coming into american culture i think they just sort of started combining shit yeah 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 um so I thought I was going to teach martial arts. Like that's what I, the first thing oh. I wanted to do. And then, um, and I did, I mean, as a teenager, I like, taught classes and whatever. And then as I got older, I was like, nah, I'm too, ram I'm too rambunctious to be like, have this be it. And then I started playing music and slowly started to get, getting out of martial arts. And, mm. um, so yeah, that's, that's really kind of the, the high points of that story. But it, yeah, man, just, you know, I never felt like, I just kind of always knew I didn't belong there. You know, I just, I, not that I necessarily know where I belong right now. Right. <laughs> but I, I knew I didn't belong there, that's for sure. Was it much of a, did you have much of the typical Midwestern, like fishing and that sort of stuff, sports? I, and Sort of, sort of, but I was never into it. You yeah. know, like I had, um, I had cousins that lived on a lake and we would go visit them uh, regularly. Uh, my dad's brother's kids. <laughs> And they were they were really into it. Like one of the brothers in particular, just like loved. Like he he just fish all day, mm -hmm. and I was just always like, I'm bored. I don't <laughs> care. We caught a fish, and I would like feel bad for it. You know, <laughs> be like, oh, get it back, throw it back. You yeah. know. Um. So yeah, no, I was I was never. I mean, I respect all of that, especially as I've gotten older. You know, I've definitely considered hunting and stuff like that, just because yep. I do I do eat meat, and I Same feel here. like I should be able to ethically makes sense to okay you you eat that why don't you go out and and, t and get it for yourself exactly but, um have you what about you yeah i did when i was growing up like i was in a smaller town north branches like i can't remember the population but so i moved from w wisconsin to minnesota when i was like 10 my parents got divorced and um it's like basically the same town <laughs> you know what i mean it's, it's right across the border but uh my mom and stepdad, it was all about fishing and hunting and and sports and all that. And, and I never really identified with it too much. Um, although fishing, I did like for a while. Like when I was like 13, I yeah. thought I wanted to be a professional bass <laughs> fisherman for like two years. Uh, my sort of ideas of what I've wanted to do in life have rapidly changed over the years. Um but yeah, I did go hunting once actually with my dad and shot a deer. Wow. And at the time, uh, for me, obviously, it was not at all in the mindset of like, oh, I want to go out and get my own food. It was just like, oh, my dad wants to bring me hunting. Okay. Yeah. And then you 
kill this big animal and I had no reason for doing it. So I was just kind of yeah. like, man, what the fuck did I do that for? This is weird, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I had no real connection to it, but I'm the same as I've gotten older. I've kind of wanted to reconnect with some of that stuff just in mm-hmm. terms of like, because I have no real connection to a lot of my food yeah. and and what it's like to actually, yeah, take the yeah. life of something to consume it. It's incredibly disheartening, man. I mean, it's it's funny because, um, I've, I mean, I think intellectually about this often, about mm-hmm. how hypocritical it is that most people would not be able to procure their own meat if they needed to, yet they're happy to just eat factory farm shit their entire life. Totally. Like, I have family members who... Yeah, not to call anyone out, but I have family members who they have like a local farm, like literally on the next property over where you can see <laughs> the cows eating the grass being like like they're clearly well cared for They're you know, do in their natural behaviors. There's only a few cows on the property. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't you get your meat from there? And yeah. they're just like, oh, it's too weird. It's too, you know, I like see these animals. It's like, what? No, that's like the whole point. You know? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's. I've been finally developing a consistent mindfulness practice lately. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was putting meat in the crock pot that, you know, some like some, you know, m- meat that I tell myself is ethically um, produced because it's from like whole foods and it has a certain number next to it or For whatever. Sure. But I, you know, I put the meat into it and it was like right after I meditated. So I was like, mm. I meditated. I'm like, oh, I'm going to put the meat in the crock pot for later tonight. <laughs> and then I'm like looking at the meat and I like, you know, was still in that state of, you know, what am I doing? Like, what, what am I thinking? What am I touching? What is this thing that I'm looking at? And it, it was like moving, you know, it was, a, it was a moment. It was like a very rare moment of clarity around the food. Yeah. You know, just thinking about the journey that that took to get into my possession, into my crock pot and all of this shit. Yeah. And we don't do that nearly often enough. I mean, how many meals in your life have you eaten that literally you didn't even think about it as you're eating it? You're just like, you know, in whatever ruminatory thought pattern that you're always in. And then suddenly the food's gone. You yeah, know, and in in your in your stomach, and I that's a problem, <laughs> man. That 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 disconnection is a a real real problem, and it allows us to get away with a lot. The fact that we can have that mental distance, you know, definitely, and not just with the meat. Obviously, that's an important issue to be considered morally and and all of that. But oh, even yeah. with plants, you know, like oh, yeah. just as far as how you know. I kill plants in this fucking apartment all the time. Like <laughs> I really want to have a right. plant, a lot of plants and be a plant guy and they're hard to take care of. And like I, I grew some ginger in a little planter the other day and it took forever to grow just like a tiny little bit. And I ended up just bailing on it. And then I walk over to, I got a co-op like literally across the street mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just big, you know, bundles of ginger. I'm just like, how crazy is it that we can just walk into a place and have access to fresh food from all over the world? You know, coconuts, exotic tropical fruits, meats, seafoods, just anything you could imagine. And it's yeah. so easy to just like have zero gratitude. And then we complain gratitude. about how expensive it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, $10 a pound for salmon? Fuck you. Yeah. It's like, what? Exactly. That's actually a pretty good price. That is. That is a great yeah. price. <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, it's just so easy to not have gratitude for something so simple like that. Or like you said, I, that, that meat thing has been on my mind quite a bit. And I'm sort of feel like I'm a little bit stuck between two worlds with it because I, I don't know how much this is true or if it's just a, a belief, but the amount of like dietary information I've taken in about animal products and stuff, it, it does seem like there are superior benefits to certain yeah. animal products in your diet. Um, and so I'm like, you know, there's a large part of me that really believes that and is, and is like in line with that. But also like I have been confronting this more and more every time like I eat meat, I really do think about that mm -hmm. a lot. And so it's like, that that's part of the inspiration for thinking about something like at least local farms and having more of an intimate connection with like the people that are providing it to you, but also then maybe even taking it to the next step of finding ways to, to actually acquire it yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting dialectic, the, the, you know, the, the, the poles between the benefits and cultural acceptance and whatever, uh, you know, all the factors that lead us to rationalize that it's okay to eat meat and then yeah. the opposite, you know, like the, the fact that, hey, this is, a, this is a sentient being with a nervous system that feels pain that, you know, is possibly, depending on how the, the farming was done, possibly lived a terrible life, yeah. you know, and, and I don't want to be a part of that. But for me, this sort of synthesis of that dialectic is, is, is the same. It's, you know, it's always kind of shifting how I feel about it. Like, do I think the world would be better, far less meat? Yes. Do I think that ethically it makes sense to try to thrive without eating meat? Yes. But do I also think that there are nutritional benefits that you can't get anywhere else? Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no question. I mean, all the, if you, I mean, there. Are, think about all the people. I just recently saw a video by this guy named Tim Sheaf, who's like a. Um, he's like, it's weird because I know of him because I saw like a free running video of his like years and years ago. Like he's this professional level free runner. Is that where then people he, run on the yeah, yeah, yeah. tops of like yeah yeah crazy just yeah crazy acrobatic you know stuff like jumping off roofs and whatever <laughs> and. um then he got more into con like you know consciousness psychedelics meditation and was on some podcasts and then apparently like i hadn't seen anything from him for years and then apparently at some point in there he became like a big quote unquote like vegan influencer mm. but um rumors started to come out that he wasn't vegan anymore mm. and it was this huge like he oh had this, yeah it, yeah he had this, this huge like um come to jesus video where he's like he's british so he's like guys have got you know got to be honest and he just like <laughs> had this really major like dramatic you know i started not feeling well and i lied to myself for a long time that i was that it wasn't because of my diet and it, you know whatever and he started slowly introducing animal products back into his diet and you know feels a lot better yep. and if you look at the the comment he's being very vulnerable and very honest in the video and if you look at the comments dude it's they're crazy. just destroying it's just, him yeah yeah people are so angry with him and yeah you can tell it's like this massive existential uh, identity crisis because he was this vegan guy he was this was this influencer that all these thousands of people were looking to 
as like, oh, look at him. He's an athlete. He's this. He's he's that. Whatever. Right. And suddenly he's you know, does has done a total one eighty and has sort basically of, said, I'm not well without eating animal products. So there's definitely. I mean, it's complicated, man. It's mm-hmm. definitely complicated. Well, and just the you know how we consume them as far as taking basically the most the least nutritious part usually the muscle meat mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just obsessing and eating only that because we like the texture or whatever i don't know how it got that happened but um and it seems like you know if we're really going to do it in a in a proper way like you're saying like less consumption definitely seems important but also this idea of using the whole animal and like actually appreciating what the animal's giving to mm-hmm. humans, it seems like is basically totally gone at this point. Or, you know, I'm sure it's resurfacing. You know, I know the idea of eating organ meats and stuff is definitely yeah. resurfacing bone broth, yeah. collagen, all these things. Uh-huh. But uh, certainly the whole like indigenous idea of really like trying to use every single part of the animal in like a sacred and and great mm-hmm, gr- mm-hmm. grateful way is definitely something i think we need to rediscover and 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 uh yeah really reintegrate you know and ironically really it is only hunters that are doing that you know it really is only the people <laughs> yeah. who are out there willing to go get it themselves that are willing to you know take it from this free being running around to killing it to you know field dressing it to bringing it to get processed that they're the only ones who are actually caring about using the whole animal like in especially industrial probably ethical farmers are as well yeah but you know industrial farmers aren't giving a shit they're literally counting heads being like this is that many dollars this is that many dollars you know the and and i mean this is essentially the dark side of capitalism in general is just thinking of objects only in terms or or people or animals only in terms of their financial that once we do that it's a really slippery slope towards some sort of dystopian (laughs) you know like i don't even know what's on the end of that sort of matrix pod that farms people's you know energy it's it's pretty dark and which is kind of happening in terms of oh yeah social media harvesting our energy Um, the thing you brought up about the vegan guy, it makes me think about this, um, concept I've been, uh, thinking about a little bit lately. Do you, do you know much about Charles Eisenstein? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I really love everything he's got to say basically. And just in terms of the way this polarization in all these different topics, whether it's veganism and eating meat or political things or whatever it might be it just seems like when you look closely there is this what charles eisenstein talks about it's like this deeper agreement you know what i mean like the two sides are actually sort of Mm -hmm. fueling Mm -hmm. each other it's kind of like when maybe you want to lose weight or you want to change a behavior and you're just like hating yourself for doing it the like polarization between hating what you are and the wanting to be different it actually like prevents the full non-judgmental understanding of the complete picture where you can actually you know have compassion for the full thing and maybe have a a more mindful and intentional way of moving forward you know Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know if that 
resonates with you or if that makes sense. Yeah, but. no, it, it, it does it does resonate. And what I love about Eisenstein in general is he seems to be this person who really is operating from this place of love and, you know, being non-judgmental and figuring out how to quantify and incentivize better things like we were talking about. Like, he, you know, in, you know, sacred economics or whatever, um, which is Charles Eisenstein's yep. um, sort of philosophy i guess i would say is incentivizing better things you know not not making it so we can do things like hoard wealth not making it you know by uh and he actually has fairly in-depth solutions for this you know like negative interest and you know things that prevent people from holding on to money as so many like millionaires and billionaires are doing now where they're just holding on to money and making their entire living off of capital gains or whatever yeah you know essentially greasing the wheels for an economy that is not punishing people for debt and is not rewarding people for for hoarding money but also it comes down to you know incentivizing the right behaviors and penalizing the wrong ones mm-hmm. and i think that he's definitely right on those things um and i think what you're talking about too in terms of like personal evolution and personal change is really powerful but i also think that to be a little more heavy-handed and wanting to mindfully shave down the shitty parts of yourself is a good thing to want Mm. you know wanting to instead of be like oh i love my weaknesses you know be like how about (laughs) instead you dislike your weaknesses so much that you're going to harden them you know that i feel like this was something that philosophers of the past were much more willing to point out and and now it's taken on this very like almost like right wing masculine kind of tone if you're mm. if, if you're even going to acknowledge that you have sure shittiness then, in you or weakness in you it's like no you should be loving yourself it's like i don't think i should i don't think i should be loving my procrastination i don't think i should be loving the fact that I avoid things that I need to do to make myself (laughs) better. I think I really should be trying to pull those weeds. I really think I should be trying to like sculpt the marble into something better, you know? And and I think that that's, that's the only potential dissonance I have with that idea. I know exactly what you're saying. And I, and I feel like there is this idea that loving yourself means that you that you don't want to change or that you're giving yourself excuses or that love mm-hmm. means like that you need to sort of um be a not an accomplice but like a um i can't think of the word i'm trying to say but essentially i i just had this brad yates guy on he's one of those tapping you know what tapping dude it's so weird because this has come up twice in the last <laughs> day like uh Ramin Nazer, if you know him, yep. he just had someone on, and I noticed that in the um, in the little write up he did on social media, I think it was mentioned. Yep. And then I was talking to my girlfriend about the same thing because she had just gone to a yoga class where she was like, it was not what I expected, but it was interesting. Like they had us doing a lot of like self tapping and whatever, and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. And now this, so yeah, yeah. there's been a bunch. It's weird how these things just sort of start to um coalesce yeah totally so it's kind of a cool thing it's based on like chinese acupuncture meridians or whatever 
Mm-hmm. And so it's tapping those while you're saying these sort of affirmations. And um, he kind of said it in an interesting way. He's like, if you have a kid, I don't personally, but I obviously might have nieces and, and stuff. But if you have a child and you love the child unconditionally, that doesn't mean you don't want the child to get better. You know, if it's sick, you're going to try to give it uh, medicine or take it to the doctor. Or if it, you know, you're going to want to teach it to read and write. So it's not that you're, but there is this seemingly like a polarized situation where there is this intense, oh, you just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like fuck self-love, like all this stuff, like Mm -hmm, a sort of a mm -hmm. right-wing-esque yeah, and then Goggins, David Goggins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just where you're just brutalizing yourself, basically. And then there's the super wispy kind of other end of the spectrum where it's talking about self-love, but it seems just very fake or like, um, this is kind of a sensitive subject, but this whole like uh, um, fat shaming thing. Right, right. And right. trying to act like being super overweight is like... Right it's healthy yeah. right and so i i see it more as like this the middle way which is like totally a non-judgmental awareness where you can still recognize where you are and you can accept it because mm-hmm. you don't want to fight against your reality really in a certain way like you've got to have some level of acceptance i feel like to to really productively move forward at least for me that's what i've been finding because the more i get stuck in just like ah, fuck, I just need to, like, change this thing about where I'm at. Uh, It's fundamentally sort of based on this illusion that if I get to this next stage where that thing Mm -hmm, has changed, mm -hmm. then I'm going to be okay, you know? Well, it it depends on what you mean by okay and what the motivation for wanting that change is, you know? Because there are extremely just sort of surface level things that we all lust after, you know, like, oh, dude, if I had this tattoo, I'd (laughs) be, no, you wouldn't be, you would not be better. You know, it's like, it's, it's just a weird new little peacock feather for your ego, ego and tattoos are totally fine. I mean, I'm best friends with many people who have like sleeves and shit. I'm not saying don't get tattoos, (laughs) but, um, but, you know, I think, you know, th- this this middle path you're talking about, I mean, that's my mantra, man. It, like mm-hmm. like we were talking about before, you know, if you view things in this sort of this Hegelian dialectic and form a synthesis of those two polar opposites, that's usually the best way to go, you know? And I think practically what that looks like is sort of an individual embodiment of, you know, sort of a ongoing monomyth cycle you know where you're you you are what you are with your flaws and your strengths but you're willing to venture out there and see what you can push and what you can succeed in and what you can fail in and then throughout that process you learn throughout that process you uh fail throughout that process you get stronger and then, you know, you come back to baseline. And then, again, yeah. the, the implication is what's next, what's next. And without that what's next and without the proper fuel for that what's next, I don't think you're going to feel satisfied. Yeah. I will think you feel satisfied if you have, like, you know, for lack of a better term, some sort of individuation-based um, 
outlook for yourself where you're trying to mindfully assemble a self that is going in an ultimate direction. You know, I think even conceiving of almost like a, like, I mean, Jung talked about this, a lot of people talked about this, but conceiving of almost like a sort of ultimate God self and conceiving of that pretty in a pretty detailed way like what what is what is the right way to act in any given situation what is what is you know the right mind to have what is the right body to have what is the right living to have you know even even if you're thinking in these sort of platonic ideals that are not achievable conceiving of them gives you direction you know Mm. and i don't think most people ever even develop that direction most people don't ever write down goals most people don't you know you ask them I talk about this in the the introductory chapter to what will hopefully be my book someday is like if you literally just stopped a random person on the street and said, here it is, the chance you've been waiting for, (laughs) all the money you're going to need for a year, all of the support you're going to need to do exactly what you want to do. I'm going to give you your first payment tomorrow. Have fun. Like how many people you think would know what exactly they're going to, oh, great, now I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get working on this thing. I don't think 99% of people would really have direction, man. And that's that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I can still sense that in myself. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm certainly on a path of, of uh, trying to do the things that I've always wanted to do with my life. But there are certainly still areas where, I know that I'm not being intentional about sort of naming what I want and moving towards it out of various types of fear or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I totally agree with you that there there's a middle path. And I think maybe the, the thing that I'm recognizing about the, um, the really wanting to change things and, and really struggling with yourself, I think the thing that I'm recognizing that I... Um, maybe don't feel is as valuable is when it's just in an unconscious way, like an unconscious striving, you know, striving for the next, like some, like you're saying some sort of sense gratification or thing like that. You know, it, it comes from mainly, I went through, just went through an experience of uh, just like busting ass super hard, making all mm-hmm. this music and trying mm-hmm. to get it out. And yeah. just really had this feeling of striving. Like I wanted yeah. a certain amount of people to listen to it. And I want it like, I, this is finally what I need to do. I just need to do it. And I was working so hard and just like, finally just like crashed, you know, just burned myself out. Sort of had a mini nervous breakdown. And at the end of it, I just sort of realized like, man, what happens if I get all these listeners or all these followers or this and that, you know what I mean? Is it really going to make my life that much different? Is it going to like fundamentally change the way I feel about myself? You know, and it was sort of just a reset where it's like, it didn't take any goals away. It maybe shifted the course a little bit though, Mm -hmm. and just sort of made me more uh, aware that at the end of the day, this is a never ending process, you know? Oh, for sure. There's not some finish line. Like you said, it's just sort of like you reach a new baseline and then it's like, okay, what now? You know, and you keep just kind of like raising the bar. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge mistake to think that any of those sorts of achievement based endeavors are going to bring inner peace. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, let's be honest, like 
would you feel successful if tomorrow some festival called you and was like, yeah, we, we love your shit. Like, do you guys want to play? You'd feel good, man. For sure. You'd feel good. For and sure. I, I think it's okay to strive after those types of things. You know, there, there's this sort of like, especially in this, I don't know what, what you want to call it, consciousness, spiritual setting that we're somehow lumped in with is, yep. oh, you don't need to worry about, it's, it's the same kind of like, it's the same kind of love everything, love love every possibility, every flaw, whatever. It's 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 on the same spectrum of that thinking where it's like, oh, you're not going to be happy if you get that. You don't need that. <laughs> and right. while I agree on a on on a deeper level, I disagree on a individual journey level where we are trying to achieve these things we are trying to you know overcome obstacles we are trying to express ourselves to the maximum degree and it's okay it's okay to want to do those things i mean yeah. that's part of you know that's part of life that's part of being a successful individual and but at the same time you know from sort of like a stoicism standpoint okay so so what's the worst that's going to happen if i don't get these things what's the worst yeah you know <laughs> that i'm forecasting is really just self-punishment you know yeah. it's not like there's going to be ten thousand people out there going ha ha fucker i knew you would fail <laughs> like and you know pile on top yeah. of you and bully you that's not that's most likely not going to happen but the likely outcome is that we'll punish ourselves because we we all do that. We all do give ourselves micro punishments on a daily basis. We all have the demon on our shoulders saying, who are you to put this podcast out? Who are you to make this music? Why do you think you're better than this other person who didn't make it or whatever, you know, whatever little uh, myths we tell ourselves about failure. So I think, dude, I, I think more power to anybody who's trying to use creativity to elevate themselves and not just like spiritually airy fairy elevate themselves but really try to like improve their life man that's a noble noble endeavor because you could just be out there trying to you know monetize life energy like so many other people are totally and yeah i mean it, it's like it's sort of like uh playing a chord and you're hitting the wrong notes and it really sucks and you know it doesn't sound good you know and there is a certain idea about the self-love thing that goes like, oh, that's all right. It just sounds like shit. And mm -hmm. trying to act like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to sound better right. if you change that note, you know? And it does, yeah. you know, when you change things and get in more of a state of harmony or whatever, like you can feel it, you know, there's more, mm -hmm. there's more good feelings, there's more resonance. And I think, yeah, what you're talking about almost resonates with me more as real self-love than some of the ideas that are perpetrated as self-love. You know, it's like, you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to not feel good enough. You're going to be embarrassed and humiliated and whatever. Like, that's okay. Just keep going, you know? Um, so that kind of segues for me, because I, I really wanted to talk to you about um, your whole journey with podcasting. Like, mm -hmm. I know about Midwest Real. And at the time that I kind of knew about it, 
I didn't know. I think I kind of knew about Midwest Reel and Third Eye Drops at the same time. So it was after oh, you had already started yeah. it. And I didn't realize that Midwest Reel was, was also you. I didn't get into it much. So that's probably why. I think I yeah. found out about it through maybe like wanting to hear more Randall Carlson episodes oh, or, yeah, yeah. or something yeah. like that. Um, but I would love to know personally about just what it was like, like what motivated you to start Midwest Reel and what that whole journey was like and why you switched gears and, and started Third Eye Drops. Yeah. So right in this sort of what I would consider, at least from my perspective, was sort of the first wave of a lot of these style of podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I became, well, I became aware of them whatever wave it is i became aware of it in like 2011 yep and i was actually living in japan teaching english at the time and one of my friends was like actually one of the guys i was in the band with was like dude you got you would love this podcast you would love that these two guys duncan trussell and joe rogan yeah. talking on this podcast so i was like okay and then i never listened to it and then like a month goes by i was like did you ever listen to that and i was like okay i'll listen to it so i listened to it loved it you know realized like Oh my, like these are the conversations that I want to be having that I do have with all my friends. And it's just, you know, something, something sticks in your head for whatever reason. It, it, it makes like it, it drills a little post in your psychology and you just keep thinking about it and it keeps, you know, just kind of rattling around in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. I got back from Japan in 2012 and, um, was still, was very dedicated to being in this other band that uh, I just had the opportunity to join. But then also at the same time was like, I really, really want to start a podcast at this point. So I did the sort of self-defeating thinking of, I have no authority to podcast, which is hmm. a ludicrous thing to think because anybody can just start talking and it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter yeah. if you have a million followers. I mean, it, it matters if you have a million followers, definitely. Right. But you have, you know, the notion that followers give somebody permission to like say stuff is, is very funny. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's, but at the same time, there's that sort of, when you've been in bands, you sort of see behind the curtain of what it means to start something. Like you have that DIY sort of like, oh, the barriers are kind of an illusion. All I have to do is just sort of figure out how to navigate them and I'll be able to make something pretty good. So I already knew I had probably more experience with microphones and stuff than the average person on the street so yeah. um i started thinking about well you know do sort of doing that internal negotiation of like where when would i what would make me feel comfortable with starting a podcast so i did this stupid thing and i got three other people involved and it was like <laughs> four people starting this podcast and of course everybody wanted slightly different things and there were sort of these invisible teams that were forming from the get-go and that quickly created dissonance. And, you know, I tried to smooth over the dissonance and eventually it just didn't work. So I just wound up being the person who took it and ran with it. And I just kept going and I did like just shy of 100 episodes mm -hmm. uh, with that. And then I just realized, you know, it was this was still very polluted by the sort of original idea of it. And we were like it, it didn't have a clear um, sort of quality about it and what like you you had to just somehow like hear about a guest 
and then listen to a couple conversations to really get what it was about. Mm. And um, I just realized I wanted a, a fresh start. I wanted a name that was a little more like pointed toward the sorts of ideas that would be discussed that was also kind of tongue-in-cheek and jokey mm -hmm. in a way which is you know what third eye drops is and yeah so it just it just and plus it was coming off the heels of like a heroic dose psychedelic mm. journey and it was just like you know that i don't know if you have this experience but um usually toward the end of those trips in what I've heard called the teaching moment where you're no longer having the like you're no longer in the throes of it but you're on the, you're, you're definitely still under the influence and you feel like the download is just concluded and you have this all right now I know kind of what I need to do sort of empowering feeling like you use your incarnation for something man like that <laughs> that, that sort of moment that was the, a moment that hit me and I was like fuck I gotta I need to like express this gland to its fullest and mm. i think the next step in doing that is just starting this thing over and just rebooting it um in a in a way that feels more true to me so that's that's how the transition into third eye drops happened nice yeah it's a cool um what i think about it that's really cool is i think a, a lot of times i've done this and i'm sure many other people do is uh, you prevent yourself from doing something just because you think you need to do it perfectly. You have to have the perfect name or the perfect image or something because you think that that's what you're putting yourself behind like forever. Mm -hmm. And to see, uh, I'm sure there's countless uh, examples of this, but to see something like what you did where you, you, you do 100 episodes and it's, it seemed like it was definitely getting traction where you were at. And you just go like, all right, I'm starting a whole new thing, you know, and it's more in line with where you're at now. And it becomes much bigger than your original idea in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky because from the inside, I mean, it, it quite frankly felt like I had totally plateaued. Like it felt like, you know, I, there was like this growth that happened and then it just sort of like, you know, did the plateauing, dipping, sure. plateauing yeah. thing. And it just felt like if, if I'm going to break through that it's going to take more than just like some good random episode it's going to take like something else it's going to take a you know a sort of that that whole kind of that ritual you were talking about earlier of like fucking going through the mental rigors of making something mm -hmm. and almost driving yourself nuts you yeah. know just and in that you sort of you sort of bathe something in some kind of energy and it becomes, it goes from, it, it, it does that mystical transmutation of not being a thing to suddenly being a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not the idea of the thing that you had in the beginning where, you know, whatever you thought your music was going to be before it started, it's not that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. Whatever I thought Third Eye Drops was going to be when I started it, <laughs> it's not that. But it needed to come from there to become something yeah you know and and that's there's a lot of power in that process and you i think you you can get better at it with each iteration so it just felt and it's punishing like it's not something that i want to do every year or some i mean maybe in different forms but i certainly don't want to start a new podcast every year <laughs> right yeah but um but yeah sometimes that's what it needs sometimes it just demands that yeah the podcast my podcast was almost that for me like 
I didn't have a podcast, but I, and I'm still making music, and it's something that I still care about and I'm pursuing. But starting the podcast was almost like me restarting. Mm-hmm. It's sort mm-hmm. sort of like the music I was finding myself. Like I loved doing it, but I was just like hacking away at this super thick trail. And when I finally broke down, I realized like, oh, there's an already blazed trail kind of like right over here. Maybe I'll just hop on this and see what this is like. I didn't see it like that at the time, but that's what it's feeling like because the podcast Mm -hmm. is just sort of, the energy just feels like it's flowing more freely and smoothly. I'm not having to like really, you know, fight against something super hard you know it's like the currents are kind of already wanting to like take me down this path per yeah. se um yeah like like i was semi-joking about it seems like you've been sort of for whatever reason just like flowed right down the river into this little <laughs> fraternal order that has been established <laughs> by you know people like me and colin and jen and it just like oh yeah this guy fits right in here just have him flow <laughs> yeah. right in there get him get him in there it makes sense to me yeah exactly you know it feels good and so that uh you call that i've heard you call that the techno dharma your little yeah. name for this yeah yeah <laughs> talk about that a little bit if you again would. again tongue-in-cheek absolutely not a real established <laughs> right. philosophical vibration but at the same time i mean you know, I, I'm very into this idea of synthesis, of taking two things that feel like they're polar opposites and considering what they really are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then trying to form a synthesis out of it. And, you know, th- that word is obviously a synthesis of technology and dharma. Mm-hmm. And clearly, wherever we're headed, or what is- where, I, where we should be headed, is a synthesis of those two things. Because without dharma without some sort of teaching without some sort of sacred heart technology is doomed to be this inert soulless thing and i mean the ways that we're using it right now like we pointed out are scary man it's Mm -hmm. commodifying people's attention it's hijacking their neurology and you know using dopamine as like a weapon against people's (laughs) like self-growth and that's scary and the the only thing in my opinion that can share that or that can save us from that is some sort of hey we need to inject some sort of human quality, some sort of love, some sort of soul back into that. And I think, you know, ironically, as silly as it might seem to have these like highfalutin masturbatory at times conversations, like th- isn't podcasting one of the best possible expressions of that techno dharma of using technology and this kind of human way to connect that is open, that's, you know, can be used to bring people together and give people new ideas and inspiration. I mean, totally. It is, it is, it is when I get underneath this sort of, um, humorous veneer of <laughs> that, of that phrase, I think it's true, man. I think it is a powerful thing. Seems like a much more cool version of like an intellectual dark web. <laughs> idea. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I saw, you know, the classic little image of the, this is your brain normal and this is your brain on psilocybin and there's all these mm-hmm. crazy connections yeah. going on. Um, if you take the personal stuff out of the podcasting, like, oh, it's we're two dudes having a conversation, it feels like that's sort of more what's happening, especially with people who are mm. doing it with this, like, heart-centered curiosity in mind. It's like... It really is just like connecting 
new neural pathways in the more grand mind of of uh, human civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that mycelial pattern of like nodes and connections is reality at large, right? I mean mm-hmm. that's that's everything. That's civilization. That is mycelium. That is the cosmos. Like everything is is my, it just naturally seems to come into being through that sort of kind of like fractal connectivity mycelial paradigm like if you've ever seen that image of the um i might say this wrong but it's like the lanakea superstructure or something which is the it's the largest ever modeled uh rendering of the cosmos Whoa. and it's it, it looks like a neuron i mean it looks exactly like a neuron or dendritic thing with you know spindly um sorts of fibers coming off of it and it's like that that is a brain neuron it's the same thing and it's the same thing on the dirt beneath your feet and the mycelial mat that gives birth to everything else and it's just i think that if we could see reality in a way that's closer to what it actually is meaning like not in the way that our senses perceive it yeah i think we would see that pattern like ad infinitum like all the way down and all the way up i think it's just connections 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 you know, nutrition flowing in the form of information or chemicals or whatever. And, and that's, I think that's what reality is. And within that, somehow there's consciousness that emerges. Yeah. More like an Indra's net type of a situation. Exactly. Well, I guess that's it then. What else can we say? I'm just kidding. (laughs) In a way, in a way that's definitely true, man. That, that, that is the be all end all. But I, I think the, the, if we were to continue this conversation, the, the next mystery up is what the fuck is consciousness in there? You know, how right. how does consciousness emerge from or give birth to that? You know, the, right. this mystery of the... A genie is coming out of a bottle, regardless. It's either consciousness is coming out of the material or material is coming out of consciousness. <laughs> right. And neither one of them makes sense. So again, I return to the dialectic, to the synthesis of maybe they're just coexisting and there's no untethering them from one another. Yeah, the more I hear your stuff, uh, I really get that sense that you are always doing that sort of this balancing act. And I I think I really resonate with that because I think it's really important because if you're just focusing on one of the sides in any of these types of things, whether it's metaphysical and material or two political sides or veganism and, you know, meat, only meat diet or whatever that thing's called. I can't remember. Yeah. Carnivore diet. Carnivore diet. Yeah. Uh, It's like, these are two sides of one coin. So if you're just, you know, getting onto this one side, you're ultimately missing like some huge percentage of the truth. It seems like. Oh yeah. And you're cornering yourself philosophically, you know, like, it's so weird when I find myself arguing for something that I'm like <laughs> barely a proponent of, you know, it's like, well, I'm more toward the woo spectrum than you. So now I have to like defend everything behind that. Like, no, no, that's not, that's not how this works. Like I'm trying to figure things out as well. And I think I don't ever, you know, I want to be more of like the Robert Anton Wilson perennial agnostic or what I've been calling lately progressive agnosticism where I'm I'm fine with not knowing. Like I don't need to know. I don't need to lie to myself about some sort of story. 
But what I do need to do is continue believing that there is this infinite mystery to continue exploring and it's fun. You know, Mm -hmm. it's fun to explore. It's fun to expose yourself to new ideas. It's fun to be on this journey of, I don't like this part of my life, my whatever. Let's shave it down. Let's tend to that. Let's see what the, let's get to the next level. Let's try to write a book. Let's try to, you know, let's, let's try stuff. Let's keep going. And I don't, as long, I'm not, you know, because I think the danger, another danger, like you said before, is believing that that next step is the destination. Right. You will get to that next step and feel like, oh, fuck, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's the, it's like the creativity hangover. You know, even if, because I'll tell you, man, you know, you, both you and I are in a similar situation. We played in bands. Like, would I consider the band a success? You know, the first thing that jumps to my mind is no. I would not consider it a success. Did we make good stuff? You know, did people listen to it? Sure. Did it reach the level I wanted to get to? No. And I'm okay with with admitting that. But I can also tell you from people that have, you know, that I'm very close to that have reached what what you and I would consider to be creative success. Mm-hmm. There's a there's like that same wistful feeling is going to hit you either way. You're, you're going to be successful or you're going to fail or you're going to have something in between and you're going to have that wistful what's next feeling. So yeah. don't ever think the next <laughs> yeah. thing is it. It's never it. It's for never sure. It. Yeah, that was a huge thing for me. Uh, hearing Colin before I talked mm-hmm. to him and then also talking to him, uh, Colin from Circa, because I, I was into Circa Survive back in like 2009. I was a drummer yeah. in a metal band and we were really into them. And... Uh, you know, it's just really easy to project your ideals onto some exterior figure and think they've got mm-hmm. something figured out and it's just like a totally different life. And and if you were to get there, that you, that you would be in this perfect situation. And even just to hear his story about sort of getting into painting and feeling like an imposter because thinking people only like his art because of uh, his position in, in his band and stuff. It's just like you can always find a new thing to feel insecure yeah. about you know um but something i thought of as you were uh going on that little rant was um you know a lot of the things that you get into on third eye drops and just this whole thing in general of what we're doing about pontificating about the future or what reality is there's a strong sense for me that um sometimes we sort of get what we are looking for Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that it's like there's a lag time between the looking and the finding. And so it's like we're collectively imagining these ideas about are we in a simulation? Are we in a multiverse? And it's and it's like there's this lag time between people looking and then finding evidence for it. And then the finding evidence for it sort of validates the imagination. And it sort of continues just so we're like manifesting what we want the future to be. But like you said, with the setting goals and stuff, how most people don't set goals, we're not really doing it in an intentional way of what we want the Mm -hmm. future to actually be like. We're just sort of, uh, you know, scattered, scattered desires leading to scattered results. Exactly. You know, and Mm -hmm. and then and then not being happy with the scattered results (laughs) that were shittily conceived of (laughs) to begin with. You know, it it is funny. It is funny. Have you set? Have you done that? Have you set any like? extremely intentional detailed goals of like 
because there there's I found that when I started doing it, there's like an, a fear that accompanies that because as soon as you're like, as soon as you define this is my bullseye, like this is it, this yep. is what this is my the core of my desire, you have now forsaken everything outside of that, yes. like forsaken all the other possibilities of what you could have been, what you might have been, what you might have wanted. And you said, no, I want to be this, mm-hmm. you know, like, like if you, if you right now just, just seared into yourself, my podcast needs to get a million downloads a month and I will not rest until it does that. That's a fucking scary statement, dude. Yeah. That's a very scary statement for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, I mean, we could just start listing them, listing them. You could fail. What are all the other things in your life you'd have to neglect to get that? You know, what is how, like, what do you, what would you, how would you need to change what you're doing to facilitate that goal? And then once you start ask, actually confronting the reality of what you just asked for, it, it seriously is almost like a Pandora's box type thing. You know, yeah. it's like this thing where it's like, oh shit, that's what that actually looks like. That's what that finish line that I thought I wanted looks like. It's these bullet point steps and each one of those steps is like a scary little evolutionary leap in and of itself, you know? Yeah, and it's like, what does it mean for the parts of me that I identify with that are preventing me from getting there? Mm -hmm. You know, it means those parts of me have to die, you know? Yep. Like there's certain parts of me that are attached to ideas about who I am and that I'm that are really preventing me from getting to that place and and those parts are going to have to to dissolve and go away but yeah I have set some very specific goals and they're kind of what got me to where I am now and now it's that you talking about that it really stings for me because <laughs> that's where I'm at right now is sort yeah. of this this space between stories as Charles Eisenstein calls it where it's like your your old story has broken down enough to where it really doesn't make sense anymore but your new story is not yet written and so it's like two different operating systems running at the same time and you're popping in and out of like you know your yeah. old one and your new one and it's kind of like wait what's what mm-hmm. what, do, what do i where am i going here you know and it yeah, is at it, least <laughs> at least two at least yeah. two i mean usually there's like a, like a million little competing micro stories that are making up who we are yeah, that's a great point. Um, and so it, it seems like maybe uh, what I've heard you talk about where you're kind of at with that is this idea about the book. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, it's been sort of, you know, in the same way that you saw this sort of possibility with this community of pre-existing podcasts in sort of the vein that you wanted to also tap into Mm -hmm. the same thing is happening with me and books you know it's just like a couple close people had books published in the last year or are about to have books published and they sort of start you know hey why don't you write a book yeah what would you what would you write a book about if, if you wrote a book and I could introduce you to my agent and you know, like these kinds of conversations that you're like oh shit okay could I write a book you know and again you have to like get over this hump of well who am i to write a book i have no whatever it's it's that you the same thing colin confronted with his painting the same thing you and i confronted with our music and our podcast it's just like here's the next one Mm -hmm. figure out figure out a story that works for you but it also works so well for you that other people are willing to buy it you know it's like yeah it's that and 
Yeah, dude, that's that is a major. I do feel like that's going to be a major part of my, you know, my next kind of evolutionary step as I, I guess a, a creator, somebody who's trying to, you know, selfishly figure shit out for themselves and try to hopefully aid other people. But I don't want to try to do like I'm very cognizant of I don't want to try to write a book that's like giving people answers. I don't want to try to write a book that's, you know, here's how you do this. Here's a hack <laughs> for this. Here's that. Like I, I, I'm not that person. Sure. But what I but what I do want to do is facilitate conversation and expose people to the sort of core ideas that, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen this emerge in your own podcast already and you've seen this emerge in every podcast you've ever listened to at length is there are these sort of like core topics that things start to revolve around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sort of like there's something in the psyche of the host or whatever that seems yeah. to attract certain themes, conversations. And I want to extract those and explore them in the same kind of like open-ended way in a book. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming to do and trying to shape as I'm as I'm going through this process. Nice. So what would you say that if you had to reflect on third eye drops and sort of what your uh what's sort of manifesting from your psyche with the show how how do you see it you know what's kind of the overarching mission or theme of of third eye drops I think it's making sense of the mystery at large through kind of the vessel of personal myths and exploration like because i do think you know what we were talking about before whatever the truth of reality is it's so open ended and it's so like i i don't believe in the existential argument of like camus or sartre that there is no point except the point you make it's chaos you're here mm. oh, you're in the middle of chaos like there's no point <laughs> but i also don't think that the point is something so oblique or or acute rather and well defined that there is a point you know mm. it's kind of like the point is probably just to play the game and the point is to figure out what the best games to play are and what the game you're the best at is and that will make you feel the most fulfilled and then we'll also you know take your little one seven billionth of humanity pixel and then like lift up a few other pixels in a very very you know (laughs) tiny way you know some people can impact one some people can impact a thousand some people can impact a million but figure out what yours is and i think that that's enough of a point like that's you know that that's way better to me than saying like ah anything's the point just you know you know just figure out how to be happy pushing the sisyphus rock up the hill and then you win the game and i i don't think that's what it is i think there's again dialectic somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. and i think that's what third eye drops is trying to explore you know it's trying to explore the fact that yeah we are just kind of thrown into the dead center vortex of mystery and we don't know why or if there's a why but here's some fun ideas about you know what what it could be and but i also think too man we're in a time that is between stories like you were talking about we're in a time where 
the old stories don't work anymore. The new story is not very attractive because it's this sort of, like we were talking about before, this kind of inert, mechanistic, physicalist, um, kind of Newtonian thing that doesn't have a heart. Yep. And we're not happy with that either. And there is something that new that needs to be birthed. There is a synthesis of these two poles that we're all trying to with and figure out what that might look like. And I don't think it's going to be anything except for individual. I think we're in the era of individually tailored meaning, mm. you know, and for each person that's going to manifest in a different way. And, um, I mean, Joseph Campbell talked about this in, you know, hero with a thousand faces, like 50 years ago or whenever this book was written that, you know, we just spent this many hundred pages talking about myths and how they apply to the human psyche and how if you look at them through the right lens, they're very potent and very true forever. But that said, we're now in the time of the individual where we have these monkey religions where we all pretend that like we're, we're very spiritual and we go to church on Sunday. But really, mm. like we worship the companies we work for a hundred times more than we worship any, you know, God in church. And I think that that's 100% true. And to get to a point where we are conceiving of something sacred and we are actually worshiping something, it's got to be like a personally tailored myth with the right ideas. And um, I, I guess it, it sounds grandiose to say that's what Third Eye Drops is about, <laughs> but, I, but I guess it is, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So do you feel like over the time... I would imagine the answer has to be yes, but over the time of doing the podcast, obviously your life has probably changed for a multitude of reasons, but specifically doing the podcast and talking to all these people, like, is there a significant thing that you've noticed? Like, oh, when I started, I felt or believed this and this, and now where I'm at now, just from being exposed to all these different ideas and having these conversations, like, you know, has it radically shifted uh, just sort of like your overall feeling about being alive or <laughs> yeah yes and no it's it's definitely deepened my conviction that i don't think that there is an answer answer yep but it's also made me more cognizant of the fact that a satisfied life requires these like certain jewels you know like it's, i don't know why i just thought of like the infinity <laughs> infinity gauntlet from avengers you know where there's like the, the i haven't the, seen it okay actually. well so it's pretty it's a pretty cool like mythological idea it's that in in the cosmos there are these scattered stones that are sort of like highly concentrated um archetypal man like physical manifestations of like different ultimate powers like there's a mind stone there's mm. a time stone there's a power stone and if you have all of these stones together you essentially control all of reality like you have the like one stone to pretty much give you the power of a god and like all the stones pretty much give you the power to like control reality the entire universe Damn. so but as an individual there are clearly these qualities that we all individually have to struggle for and work on. And if we're neglecting any one of them, mm. we're not like something's going to feel bad. You know, you, you neglect your physical health. You're not going to be well. You neglect your mind. Nothing's going to make sense. You're not going to, you know, improve on 
your your neuroses. You're not going to understand the nature of consciousness. If you ignore your uh, interpersonal relationships or you don't cultivate a good tribe, you're going to feel like something's missing. If you're not expressing yourself creativity you're, uh, via creativity, you're absolutely going to feel like something's missing. If you never um, confront the mystery on a personal level you know if you never peer into the mysterium tremendum for yourself it's you know you're going to be listening to quote unquote gurus or going to be listening to terrence mckenna talks and <laughs> have an idea of what they're talking about without ever seeing it for yourself so there are these things that i feel like here's the outline of the shape but it's like the shape is morphing it's like one of those weird fourth dimensional you know shapes that doesn't really make sense when you look at it but it's still a thing yeah there's still rules around it you know yeah totally dude so it seems like you, as much as you know you dive deep on all this theoric theoretical stuff and and various ideas about reality like i get the sense that you're a pretty practical dude it's just sort of like trying to find ways to really just, you know, get the most out of life or just, you know, be in the present moment. And, and uh, like, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, besides you mentioned a mindfulness practice, maybe a somewhat of a new one, like what kind of other stuff have you found either through, I don't know how much of that stuff, I don't know mm -hmm. if you really cover a lot of that stuff with third eye drops, but just in general, what kind of stuff... You know, do you actually do um, that? Just playing a lot of video games and thinking about how I should be reading or <laughs> should be working on stuff. No, but I mean, definitely, man. I mean, I, I battle with procrastination all the time. You know, I, I wake up in the morning thinking, all right, today is this day. It's the go to the gym, work on the book, do the this, that day and then it's the end of the day and you're sitting on the couch and you're like fuck i, I barely did do any anything of those <laughs> like, i mean i have those days all the time but it's like it's just incremental man it's like you have to make some effort like there have to be some things that are non-negotiable like getting yeah. a podcast out every week it's like it's just non-negotiable i just have to do it if a guest falls through i'll talk by myself if you know it's just it's it's that it's it's that kind of thing and it's very very difficult to overcome the inertia of like making something go from not being a thing to being a thing like we were talking about before like yeah I, I don't know if you're i don't know if you're that strict with yourself on your podcast or you know what the rules are around what you're doing but man think about the inertia of just you before you had the thing and like just being this complacent you know complacent where i don't do this thing now i overcame the normativity of not doing it to make it a thing like oh and it's suddenly it's it's this thing that exists and the more i do it the more it solidifies its existence and mm -hmm. i think you over time just become you know at least from the outside looking in you become those things and from the inside out they feel less foreign and when they start to feel less foreign they really become part of who you are and i think that for me like that repetition just doing it doing it doing it doing it is just so vital man you have to just if you want to it's just such a dumb thing to say this but if you want to be a thing you just got to do it over and <laughs> over and over and over again and that's that's just reality you know it's fucking aristotle had or i think it was aristotle like had some quote about basically saying the same thing like it you you are the things that you collectively do regularly or some shit like that and it's 
it sounds so dumb and straightforward yet nobody wants to just do the hard you know david goggins type <laughs> like road work if for anybody that doesn't know david goggins is like this former navy seal who's just this like self-empowerment guru like stop complaining just get out there and fucking do it guru like <laughs> I, I could I, I love talking about goggins he's 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 a fun guy. To yeah, there's something there for sure. It's inspiring. But yeah, I'm nowhere near. Like, no, I, of course. I crave discipline. Yeah. Self-imposed discipline. Like, I know yeah. I need it and I want it. And I just, I'm not doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm disciplined enough to do certain things. Like, yeah, I have been sticking to like a podcast a week. Just kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't a plan. It just like started to happen. And I was like, all right, I guess I got to just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And there's various different things that, yeah, I will stick to. I have a glass of water with lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and and, and salt every morning. You nice. know, like things yeah. like that. There are things. I'm a routine-oriented person, but but I've always been like a very much just a fly by the seat of my pants sort of creative guy. And I would really love to get more of that structured, like. You know, I, I have imaginations of myself being like, yeah, from, you know, from 10 to 1, I'm going to work on yep. some art, and then I'm going to do push-ups and sit-ups, and, and then <laughs> right. I'm going to, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that was challenging for me because, you know, I, like I told you, I grew up doing martial arts, and I always, like, valued being in shape, but, mm. you know, I remember, like, throughout my 20s and college and stuff, man, you know, just the, the standard, like, raging three or four days a week and like going Mm. out and drinking and you know like i had a really close friend who was a dj and like (laughs) every weekend it was just like wherever he was playing me and my whole extended crew of friends would go and then pretty soon like three days a week of that for three or four years like you're not you're not in great shape like i'm not anybody who usually puts on or loses tons of weight but it's just like you know i felt shitty i felt soft and like it's only been in the last handful of years that i've really like gotten like the even still i'm certainly no fitness guru but that that over that inertia of like get to the gym three or four days a week no there's just no way it's not happening there's Mm -hmm. there's no story and and this is where the goggins type becomes really valuable because it's like there is no I'm tired. There is no like, oh, I don't feel I deserve a day off today. Like, it's just like, no, like it's it's so much of it is about changing the internal story around shit, you know, like yeah. changing the excuses, changing the idea about deserving or the just weird, weird things that we we come up with or ways we rationalize sort of escape hatches and, and things is just yeah. it's so it's so self-defeating. And I mean, I have a super long way to go on all of these things, but I, I, I'd only talk about it because I know it so intimately well. Yeah, I mean, it's it. something that I've been feeling a lot is I love, like, I'm more inspired usually hearing pe- about people's struggles than about mm-hmm. what they've got mm-hmm. figured out. And it's just recently this is coming to me is like, to hear you talk about that, it's like, oh, cool. I feel that way too. That's awesome. And it, like, inspires me to actually try harder for whatever i don't know that seems weird i guess it's idiosyncratic but same with like colin you know it's like oh okay sweet these people are more like me than i realized you know like i projected this idea that all these people are all all these different pedestals somehow eluding uh me but 
but yeah, to feel like you're not alone, you know, that other people are experiencing all the same types of struggles and that we're all kind of, you know, one way or another kind of going towards the same things. It's a nice feeling. But, um, yeah, I saw you kicking the bag on your Instagram <laughs> yeah, story yeah, the other yeah. day. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so you're getting it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I, yeah, what you said is definitely the truth, man. It's like the, the, the kinship of the struggle is really one of the most powerful things to bear witness to and, and to, to actually feel, you know, feeling feeling exactly what you said, not just like thinking it or, or knowing it, but feel, feeling it, you know, mm-hmm. feeling that, hey, we're, we're all trying to do the exact same shit. We're really all after the fundamentally the same things. And in, in a infinite struggle cycle with the same things, and that's not going to change. I mean, literally, as long as I'm taking bre- breaths, it's never going to change. And I think, you know, if we can get over the perceived um, partitions, whether they're tribal, political, financial, like, yeah, I'm sure, um, I'm sure Joe Rogan's life is pretty fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure he, I'm sure he gets to do a lot cooler shit than me on a daily basis, (laughs) but I'm also sure he worries about and has the exact same emotional swings that we have, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that feeling that not just, not just like, yeah, it's probably true, but like really being like, dude, he, he sits there and worries about shit. Even like, I'm just using him as an example because he's sort of like the archetypal successful podcaster, 100%, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I often find myself trying to describe things just naturally in terms of audio and just vibrations or frequencies. And if you think about like a, a lower octave C you play mm-hmm. a C at a higher octave. It's just a higher order, but it's the same fundamental. You know what I mean? Like the frequency is the same. It still has the peaks and the valleys. So I feel like that's sort of what it's really like when you boil down. Like all of our lives, they're sort of the same fundamentally, you know. They're just, you can experience different, you know, in reality, it would probably be more like a, a bunch of different frequencies, you know, one person mm-hmm. containing mm-hmm. all sorts of different different frequencies that resonate in a way but i think you know what i'm trying to get at is like to elevate to some level of joe rogan it elevates all of your different concerns and your worries and your problems as well you know classic mo money mo problems mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah man you get that might be that might be the perfect note to, to wrap it up on yeah that, the classic classic biggie <laughs> the biggie biggie philosophy man I would have never thought it would end like that. But um, before I let you run, what is your like favorite? Do you still listen to podcasts or just doing them? Has it totally gotten you out of it? I go in spurts. Yeah. I mean, I listen to, um, what have I been listening to lately? It's it's really more centered around if it's like a guest I want to hear or yeah. I listen to other kinds of stuff. Like I love Radio Lab too. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. My phone right here. Do you find yourself I, feeling like uh, Rogan's show kind of jumped the shark for you a little bit? It's not, totally, not to rip I him, mean, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of guests that I want to skip over for sure. Yeah. But if, but dude, like Graham Hancock comes on oh. or like somebody, it's just like, oh shit. For like, I sure. Just, like, it's like Christmas time, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I have, I, I listen to, you know, some of my friend shows mm-hmm. and, or really it's like based around guests, like guests I want to hear on a show like Rogan or Duncan Trussell or, um, whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, I definitely have, I go in waves where I'm listening to a ton and then I won't for a long time and I'll just try to read more or something like that. Yeah. But, but yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I don't have like a go-to right now for a long time. It was Duncan. Yeah. Um, and lately, yeah, I've been more picky and choosy about, I'd, I'd rather hear Duncan on somebody else's podcast these mm. days. Like I've, I've been waiting to hear Duncan on Rogan again one of these days. I know, yeah, that, that's always good raps, yeah, man. that's always like my favorite. But um, uh, Future Sense. Hmm, I've Have, heard of it. You know Steve McDonald. You know, I think was telling me about him and saying I should talk mm. to that guy. Is he is he huge Dude. into like Spiral Dynamics? Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're familiar with Spiral Dynamics? A bit. Yeah, it's really funny, man, because in that whole trip, uh, that whole L.A. trip that Colin and I were both on, we were both just kind of getting into it, but it kept coming up and we kept talking about it like we were fucking like spiral dynamic. (laughs) And like neither one of us were at all. You know, it's just just funny. It's but the but yeah, the overarching idea of it is is a super, super compelling, really, I think. um, Very it's the best attempt to try to systematize a bunch of subjective states that I've probably ever seen. Mm -hmm. So I really like it for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I would strongly agree that you should have Steve on. He was my first guest. I kind of know him through a friend and uh, his stuff is just, I just love it. The more I hear about it, the more it's just like, yep, this seems totally spot on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Cool. Well, shit, man. Thanks for coming on. This is awesome. Yeah. Anytime, man. It was fun. It was awesome. definitely fun. Welcome to the little curiosity coven of, <laughs> of podcasters. Glad glad to have you in here. You fit you fit right in snug as a snug as a bug. Yeah, I'm super pumped to be a part of it. And it, it seems like we have a, a lot of things in common from from wanting to explore Wim Hof stuff and thinking about oh, yeah. hunting and various mm-hmm. things and being Midwesterners. So Hopefully, I'm sure at some point we'll uh, be lucky enough to get a chance to uh, meet in the real world. Yeah, brother. We're not that far. I mean, we're kind of far. We're like just far enough away that it like doesn't make any kind of like practical sense. But I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's just a matter of time. And so we 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 share actual air exchange a few molecules. Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, shit. All right, brother. Enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, you too, man. I'm going to go. I'm gonna go have some uh some ramen actually. Nice. Alright, brother. I'm in. Check you later. Have a good one. Peace. 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 You have been listening to Awake, Aware, Alive. Go check out Third Eye Drops on anywhere you get podcasts. Go to thirdeyedrops.com. Check out all Michael's stuff. Become a patron. Follow uh, Michael on social media. Do all that jazz. Uh, also, check out jacobgossel.com and find a way to support the podcast. Other than that, um, be nice to yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Just uh, cut yourself a break.